May I welcome all who are here assembled for the final talk within the Mandatum series here in St. Flannan's Cathedral, Killaloo, in the beautiful County Clare. It's hard to credit everyone that since the first talk occurred, it is January, the, the Tuesday, the 28th of February when we had the very first talk. And now we are on the 5th, on this day, the 28th of March. Our talks are in conjunction with the Church of Ireland Mind Matters Initiative. Thank you to them very much. We're all in the, the Church of Ireland and our own Bishop, uh, Bishop Michael Burrows within Tum, Limerick and Killaloo, and our personnel indeed, our Lorna Sharp and Heather Pope, our secretaries, both over the Tume side and dear Lorna here in the Limerick and Killaloo. But the, the initiative of Mind Matters is firstly to uh, reduce stigma in the whole area of mental health, to promote connections, to support clergy and to offer education and support along with parish supports and pastoral cares, and of course to be able to link mental health and faith. The great mandatum, the command of Christ, is Christ reaching in to the midst of all, both the joy, the sorrow, the light and the darkness, the pain. Tonight it is a great pleasure for me indeed to welcome Mr. Tom Flynn. Tom grew up outside Thurles County Tipperary. He studied in St. Patrick's College Thurles for the priesthood and was ordained in 1982. After working in a number of parishes in Waterford and Tipperary, Tom was appointed a chaplain to the Irish in New York from 1995 to 2022. He was instrumental in opening the Ashling Irish Community Centre in Yonkers in 1997. And Tom has worked as manager of the Vincent de Paul Drop-In Centre Limerick 2002 to 2023. Indeed, he is on the journey now of retirement, though very young, since last Friday. The drop-in centre offers day care services to the homeless and those highly vulnerable to becoming homeless. Tom's academic qualifications are so rooted in a master's degree in family counselling from Mayona University, New Rochelle, New York in 2002, a diploma in addiction studies from Maynooth University in 2008. And Tom lives in Dundrum, County Tipperary, and is married to Mary Teresa. Tonight, Tom, on behalf of all of us here to St. Flannan's, may I welcome you? Thank you. I am so conscious of the great, brilliant work that Tom has been involved in in my time in Limerick and indeed in Killaloo. His outreach, his support, his gentleness and kindness, and his influence on so many. I think personifies exactly what mandatum is. Tonight, Tom, we say welcome here to St. 
Flannan's Cathedral, and especially we welcome all who share this with us through the medium of webcam. And once again to Scariff Bay Radio, to Patricia and Jim for their kindness in the recording, which will be distributed. Tom, welcome to St. Flannan's Cathedral. Uh, thank you, uh, Reverend Paul, and welcome, everybody. Thank you for this invitation to uh, speak to you. I'll speak to you basically about my experience of working in Limerick City. I've known Reverend Paul since 2020, uh, when the pandemic came in March of uh, 2020, uh, we had to reconfigure our services in Limerick City. We were the one of the few places that remained open and was of assistance to people in need in the city. And lo and behold, who comes along but Reverend Paul? Uh, Reverend Paul was very good, very kind, very generous uh, in ensuring uh, that we had whatever we needed. And so he got uh, sponsors to bring in and to donate uh, gifts of food, of fruit in particular, and, and, and other food items, which were uh, very well appreciated at the time. Uh, so it, it, we've come through that period. Uh, uh, and I'm sure there will be many lessons that all of us will uh, learn and realise over the coming years. I'm here for the first time in St. Flannan's uh, Cathedral, reminded that uh, St. Flannan, uh, I think, started out in the monast monastic life uh, back in the 7th century. And I'm reminded of the uh, monastic life in the sense that monasteries uh, back then were very often uh, great centres of and locations for activity. A lot of people would come to the monastery for services uh, and, and for help of one kind or another. And in some ways, uh, one could say that they were forerunners to what I would call maybe drop-in centres or daycare centres uh, that exist and are dotted around the country uh, today. Uh, and so it is that I will speak to you a little about the drop-in centre, uh, which is the Vincent Paul drop-in centre in uh, Limerick City. It's located on Hearthstone Street in Limerick City. I return from America in 2002, and I set up the drop-in centre for Vincent de Paul. Um, and the idea was that uh, there was a concerted effort at the time to do something significant about the problem of homelessness in the city. There was work with uh, emergency accommodation, uh, and they wanted to put some daycare services in place as well to complement that. And so we set about to, uh, to uh, open the drop-in centre uh, for people who are homeless or highly vulnerable to becoming homeless. And my first thinking on that was that apart from whatever services we would give 
the people who presented. The most important thing was that we would have a, a, a welcoming attitude, a, a person-centred approach for each person that would give them a warm welcome uh, and make them feel at home. And so I had a complement of 25 volunteers with another permanent staff member. And uh, that was the one thing I asked of the volunteers, that they would approach their work in a non-judgmental manner. And indeed, uh, they did. And so we offered some very basic services, like food, uh, showers, change of clothes, laundry services, and then moving on in time to more advanced or specific uh, services, uh, which involved working with their housing needs, their mental health, their addiction needs. Uh, and as I was thinking that through, uh, I was reminded, I suppose, we have a psychiatrist here, I'm conscious uh, this evening, so I won't delve into too much, uh, but uh, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs a theory. And it's a theory of motivation, what motivates us. And basically, people are motivated to fulfil the basic needs in life first. And the basic needs are the need for, say, food, for water, my goodness, water is critical and crucial now in the world for the lives of millions of people, for shelter, for clothing. And then that can move on for a need for security, for safety. And so we all like to work, to have financial security uh, and safety. And that can move on to the more uh, important needs, maybe for uh, the social needs, like for love and acceptance, for belonging, for friendships, uh, for social groupings, for church groupings. Uh, and all those things are very important. And I looked, as I looked at the people who are coming in, as I look at them today, uh, those people over the years, a lot of the people, particularly those who are sleeping rough uh, on the streets or, or wherever, uh, it's difficult for them to see beyond their basic needs. Uh, because they're homeless. And they're homeless for a variety of reasons. Uh, it may be that it's family discord, that they had to leave the home. It may be because of uh, addiction of one kind or another, or it may be uh, their mental health. Uh, whatever it is, uh, uh, these people they find themselves in extraordinarily difficult situations uh, on the streets, and I've come to know uh, many of them, as I did know many of them in the on the streets of New York when I was there as well. Uh, and the friendship and love, I, I would say, that they receive in the drop-in centre is very significant for them. Unfortunately, one of the consequences of the pandemic of COVID-19 was that uh, a lot of the homeless uh, became more isolated than they previously had, in the sense that we couldn't invite them in to the centre uh, to sit down as we used to. And so we had to help them at a station to the entrance of the centre. 
And when we opened up the, the centre fully last year, I realised that a significant number of the homeless didn't or weren't uh, anxious to come back in again. They had become somewhat isolated, and you could see that there was a definite uh, deterioration in their mental health. Uh, so uh, that's a real issue and a, a real concern uh, for the future years. So the basic, the, 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 the drop-in centre then deals with basic needs, more specialist needs, uh, advanced needs, and with people's health, their addiction and their mental health. And in 2016, Dr. Patrick O'Donnell, uh, he's well known in Limerick City, uh, he, he came to the centre and he opened a clinic in the centre. Uh, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, the clinic w was working at capacity within, within a short time because it, it, was, it was there for people who didn't have medical cards, for a lot of people who were in the city who wouldn't have been able to find a GP service or whatever. And he was dealing with uh, these people and uh, I suppose in discussions with him, uh, we realised, and he, he, he was often talking about what we call the social determinants of health. And I suppose the social determinants of health are the non-medical aspects that influence health outcomes. The conditions in which we grow up uh, as people, from the time we're born, how we grow up, how we live, how we work, and how we age the education we receive, the neighbourhood in which we've grown up, uh, whether we've been employed or not. And unfortunately, for a lot of the service users uh, coming into the drop-in centre, they uh, have grown up in, I, I suppose, poor enough circumstances in, in all of those areas. Uh, so as a consequence, the centre is even more important for them uh, because it, it enables them uh, to find uh, some of the necessary uh, 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 ingredients, uh, the necessary relationships uh, amongst each other in the drop-in centre itself. Um, a lot of the uh, people that I deal with have had addiction issues from a very young age, leading on to very often mental health issues. And unfortunately for that, it means that their development in many respects has been arrested or pretty well stopped. And it's not until uh, they go into some form of treatment uh, that they can begin to uh, grow again, both mentally and fully and physically and whatever, uh, and emotionally. Uh, so the important thing that Dr. Patrick pointed out was, and he would say, that I as a doctor, when I go to your centre, I only uh, am, am responsible for about 10 to 15% of the health outcomes of the people presenting. You in the drop-in centre, by providing a shelter, by providing the care, uh, the basic needs, 
the more advanced needs, you are doing much more than that, and that's very important. So the, that's the social determinants that uh, are so important uh, in the life of the people who present uh, uh, to the uh, drop-in centre. The drop-in centre is quite small in Limerick, and in two, when the pandemic came, we realised that it wasn't fit for purpose, or isn't fit for purpose. So we want, wondered what we would do. So I spent about six to eight we weeks um, on a consultation uh, piece of work. Uh, I wanted to consult with all of the people in the homeless sector in Limerick, uh, all of the statutory bodies, the HSE, the local authority, and all the service users uh, in emergency accommodation and those uh, sleeping rough. And I produced a report in uh, 2021, uh, consultation on the level of need for daycare services in Limerick and the surrounding area. And that report, uh, again, points to the fact or validates the fact that there is a great need in Limerick City as one could reasonably say would be the case in other cities and towns, that, uh, there's a need for a centre that, um, that provides services that are basic on the one hand and that are more specialist. So the hope would be that we would have a one-stop shop offering uh, basic services, allowing for food and uh, allowing for uh, the more uh, showers, change of clothes, and then the more specialist services as in the GP clinic, uh, mental health services, a nurse, and so forth. So that you have those under the one roof. Uh, You'll be acting then in a coordinated way amongst the services, uh, and the services then should have a, a, a greater value. So we're doing that, working to uh, neglect to, to provide those uh, services and hopefully that will happen in due course. Uh, I just retired on uh, last week so I won't be part of the, 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 the further development of that. I'm reminded as we uh, come up to Easter uh, that there are many hungers in the world. Uh, Kermit Long wrote uh, a wonderful book called The Hungers of the Human Heart. And the hungers of the human heart, I suppose, in many ways are parallels to what I've spoken about in terms of the need of the human person. There's the hunger for bread, the hunger for security, the hunger to achieve, the hunger for companionship, the hunger for recognition, and um, ultimately, I think all these hungers, they point to the great needs that are within us, that have been given to us by our eternal creator, by God. And at Easter, we celebrate uh, the fact that uh, we can never fully satisfy uh, the great hungers within us and in the world at large.
that it's only in relationship to God that we will find uh, the spiritual food that enables us uh, to, to live out uh, those uh, hungers in, in a, a very real way. So Easter then is a time when we look to the mandatum, as Reverend Paul talks about and which underscores all these talks, the mandatum ultimately to love. And the expressions of love uh, find themselves uh, in, in, in various different ways. And certainly for me, uh, as a human being, having worked uh, in various different ways as a Catholic priest, to find an expression of that in the drop-in centre at the coal face of uh, uh, working with people with great need, it, it was a great source of uh, satisfaction for me and looking back on it now, a great source uh, of joy. And so it, it adds a great dimension to my own uh, spirituality, to my own uh, belief in God, uh, as ultimately I think uh, what we're doing is, is ultimately God's work at the, uh, at the end of the day. Um, you will all, I'm sure, uh, find opportunities uh, to be of help to the less well-off in society. Uh, I can say that some of the finest people that I have met uh, have found themselves in difficult situations of one kind or another, but homelessness being the most difficult of all. And so therefore, any body or institution or organisation or centre, daycare centre, that you find uh, that's doing some of this work, then if you can, within your means, try to be as supportive of you. Uh, I thank you for listening to me this evening, and if you have any particular questions, I would be glad to try and answer them for you. What was this centre like? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, yes. Well, pre-pandemic, we had approximately 80 service users presenting each day for services. Then, very quickly, in April, June, July of 2020, at the, after the beginning of the shutdown in March of 2020, our numbers shot up to about 200 a day. Uh, that was extraordinary. And I suppose what it pointed to was that uh, there were people now who were more vulnerable. There were people now who couldn't go to work. There were people now who had lost their jobs. Uh, uh, and so they felt very, very much in need of the help that we were offering. And it's a reminder uh, that a lot of people may seem, appear to be relatively okay, uh, but it's my experience that a significant number of people, even though they're in work, 
they're still perhaps only a week's wages away from maybe becoming homeless. Uh, the cost of, of rental and other, the cost of food now has gone up. So they, they have significant costs and if they were to lose their work, it could be very difficult for them. So it was a time of great insecurity uh, for, for these people. Uh, and, and I think that, that was the reason for the, the increased numbers. Could you talk a little bit about the, uh, the factors of uh, mental health issues and substance abuse? Yes. With respect to homelessness? Yeah. A broad term, uh, you know, these are uh, comorbid uh, diseases and uh, they're, they're one very often accompanies the other, whichever comes first, we, we could argue. But uh, I, I, I think um, uh, in, in many cases uh, addiction um, is pervasive now in, 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 in uh, amongst a lot of young people. Uh, we're seeing in a lot of our towns, in a lot of our cities, and in Limerick City, a high incidence of crack cocaine use. Uh, that's a seriously uh, uh, dangerous drug. Uh, people become addicted very quickly to crack cocaine, uh, and as a consequence, uh, uh, find it very d difficult then to, uh, to get off it. Uh, and their whole life uh, absor is absorbed and centres around trying to find money to, 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 to get their fix every, every day or several fixes in a day. So it, 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 it's physically very demanding on the, the body and it, it's mentally very demanding. Uh, so invariably, it, it does lead to significant uh, degrees of uh, mental health, uh, of isolation, uh, of violence uh, uh, amongst uh, people who are using it. Uh, and um, it, it, that combined with, with perhaps alcohol uh, it, it, it is critically dangerous uh, as well. Uh, so we certainly, we certainly need avenues for people who find themselves addicted or with mental health to come in, not to isolate. The tendency is to isolate. Uh, 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 and what I have found that one of the benefits of a drop-in centre where they will come for food and for basic needs is that uh, people suffering from addiction or from mental health they'll come in it's an opportunity by the mere fact that they're presenting for you to, to get to know them and for them to begin to trust you I remember when I opened the drop-in centre back in 2002, nobody gave you their correct name. They didn't trust you. And over the years, we saw that change significantly. And people began to trust us. And they would come in. And then we were able to, a very significant part of our work was to be able to refer them then to appropriate care uh, in the community.
So that's a piece of work that needs to be begun again uh, post, post-COVID. What is your advice to Look, I, I wouldn't care to be prescriptive in any, in any of these areas. I would suggest to you, if you want to support homeless people, that perhaps the best way to do that is to maybe donate to the organisations that are involved in working towards alleviating uh, homelessness. I would say that in the city of Limerick, and that's the one I know best, no person should be, ho- should be hungry, for instance. Not, no homeless person should be hungry. Our centre and other uh, people involved in, in, in working with homeless people provide significant amounts of food. Um, so very often uh, the, 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 the monies that you will give they will go, unfortunately, towards feeding addictions of one kind or another. I wouldn't care to, to say don't do that. When somebody is um, in the throes of addiction, be it alcohol or, for, or from drug use, uh, withdrawal symptoms can be very significant. And uh, very often I found myself uh, giving people money knowing that they will go away and maybe take some alcohol uh, to try and alleviate that, that, that temporary situation. Uh, so one would hope that increasingly there would be greater, num- greater uh, financial resources, greater uh, resources in terms of centres uh, in specific locations strategically placed where these people will come in and will receive the services. And will find avenues through support out of their mental health and addiction uh, issues. Uh, so I, 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 I think as adults it can be difficult to pass by somebody with, without uh, perhaps, so I wouldn't care to be prescriptive. Can I ask Tom, um, do you have any food bank for people, you mentioned that people who are still working but are just teaching on the edge of finding it very difficult is, is there a food bank? Yes, yeah. Well, one of the great developments uh, we're all familiar, I'm sure, with back in the 80s, uh, we, we, had, we had actually food banks. Do you remember the, the food uh, that was in Europe? We talked about uh, beef and so forth. A lot of that food was given out. Uh, it was in cold storage, as it were. Now, there's no longer any actual food banks, but what the EU does is it provides funding to countries through the Department of Social Protection. So in um, in 2016, I applied to the Department of Social Protection under the FEED programme for funding uh, to uh, get... uh, uh, non-perishable food items that they were offering. So the uh, food cloud uh, administers the, the, the programme. So I was getting uh, I get about 20 tonnes of food each year uh, and I've been, been in a position to give that out on a weekly basis to people. Non-perishable. And a lot of people who come for those non-perishable food items, they have their own accommodation, uh, but it supplements their income uh, quite nicely 
uh, and it takes the pressure off, I suppose, the food bills. We have a lot of food inflation right now. Uh, when they need the money to pay for utilities or whatever. So uh, I, I would say that's been a fabulous service and it's a service that really complemented what we were already doing and was and very helpful to, to our ability to, to outreach and help uh, a cohort, an extra cohort of people. Very good. All right. Thank you very much for your attention. Uh, I hope that I gave you some insight to perhaps a, a side of life that we don't always experience on a daily basis uh, and uh, that I suppose is good to be aware of and to, good to have some lived experience of. Good night. We draw our five speakers and talks to a close. Thank you so much to all who have shared this with us, to Scarlet Bay FM for the recordings to our own personnel here in St. Fannin's Cathedral and within our diocese, and of course within the Church of Ireland National Mind Matters Initiative. As a way of closing these talks, Tom, thank you we take on board your words. It gives us insight of Jesus moving towards us and wanting us to be the best we can be. What better way to finish than the prayer for Maundy Thursday, the day of the mandatum, the great command of Christ. And this is the prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy tender love towards mankind has sent thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross that all people should follow the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And my thanks to Dr. Marjorie Stokes, Reverend Stephen Foster, Mr. Ed Heffernan, Mr. Glenn O'Callaghan indeed, but all our, our people near and far who have assisted and supported us. Tonight we say, especially thanking Tom, may God bless all ours, yours and all our people. A very happy, holy and peaceful Easter. Let us bless the Lord. Amen. May the Lord grant us a quiet night and a perfect end. Amen.